the latest ianabernethy.com podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing the meaning of Pinan and answering some of your questions too. Hi, so it's Ian Abernethy here and welcome to the latest uh, www.ianabernethy.com podcast. And in this month's podcast, we're going to discuss the meaning of Pinan. Um, the, the label attached to the kata and why I think that uh, universally we've we've kind of got that wrong and then we're going to move on and discuss uh, answers to some questions that have been received as part of my column in uh, Martial Arts Illustrated uh, the Ask the Experts column where uh, people submit questions to the magazine for me to answer and there's some, some great questions so I'd like to start including some of those in this podcast too so the first thing we're going to discuss is the meaning of Pinan If you were to consult almost every karate book in existence that would tell you that Pinan means peaceful mind. However, some of my recent research leads me to believe that this translation may very well be incorrect. Uh, Pinan is written using two characters. Uh, the first character is pronounced Ping in Chinese, specifically Mandarin, uh, Pin by the Okinawans, and He in Japanese. Um, and the character originates from a pictogram donating plants floating on top of the water and means flat, level, even, uh, peaceful or calm. Uh, the second character, which is pronounced An in all the languages mentioned, originates from a pictogram donating a woman underneath uh, a roof and means peaceful, tranquil, uh, quiet uh, and content. If you'd like to see those characters, if you visit the blog of www.enabernethy.com and find the section where this uh, podcast is, uh, is hosted, you can see the, uh, the characters there. Now, it's when we combine the characters that things get interesting. Uh, in Japanese, uh, the two characters together would be pronounced as Hian and would translate as peace and tranquility. Um, however, every karate resource that I've consulted states that Pinan uh, means, or Hian, means peaceful mind. Uh, now, a translation of peaceful I can understand, um, as we could take that to be an alternative take on the literally correct peace and tranquility. Uh, but where does mind come into it? There's no character for mind in the writing of Pinan or, or Hian. Uh, in uh, the book Karate Do Kyohan, uh, Gichin Funakoshi, who was a student of Anko Itosu, who was the founder of the uh, the Pinan Katas, uh, so in Karate Do Kyohan, Funakoshi says uh, of the Hians, having mastered these five forms, one can be confident that he is able to defend himself co uh, competently in most situations. The meaning of the name is to be taken in this context. So here we have an explanation of the name. So let's just look at that again. So here uh, he says, having mastered these five forms, one can be confident that he is able to defend himself competently in most situations. The meaning of the name is to be taken in this context. Now this explanation of the, the name doesn't make sense with the literal translation of, uh, of, of, of Hian. Why would Itosu choose to name his uh, kata series Peace and Tranquility to reflect their holistic combative nature? I mean, there's absolutely nothing peaceful or tranquil about defending yourself. Um, the explanation and the reading don't sit well uh, together to my mind. Now, I think the Funakoshi quote is where the mistranslation of peaceful mind comes from. Uh, the word mind is added in to reconcile the literal translation and the explanation of the meaning. Um, i.e. because these five forms can give you confidence in your, in your ability to defend yourself in most situations, 
uh, your mind can be peaceful. Now, that's still a bit of a stretch, I feel, but I could accept that explanation if it wasn't for the fact that the characters don't read his peaceful mind. the mean peace and tranquillity. So how would it make sense of Funakoshi's explanation of the name? At the time Itosu created the Pinan series, kata, uh, karate, sorry, karate was written using the characters for Chinese, which is pronounced either kara or to, and the character for hand, which is pronounced either te or de, which gives you the readings of karate or to de. Um, it was only when the art spread to Japan that the character for empty, which can also be pronounced as kara, was widely substituted in order to make the name of the art easy to promote in, uh, in mainland Japan. Now, the Okinawans regarded all things Chinese, uh, to quote Funakoshi, to be excellent and fashionable. However, this positive view of all things Chinese was not shared on the Japanese mainland at that time. Um, it was for this reason that a name change was felt to be appropriate. And it was also around this time that the kata were given Japanese names by Gichin Funakoshi, which are the names still used in Shotokan, to replace the original Chinese or Okinawan names. Now, Itosu, the again, the creator of the Pinan Katas, as an Okinawan, will have taken great pride in the, the Chinese origins of the art he practised. Um, Itosu was also employed as a scribe by uh, the Okinawan king and was an expert in the Chinese classics. Now, if you consider that when Itosu created the Pinan series, it was before the art had reached mainland Japan, the art was called Chinese Hand, all things Chinese were held in high regard by the Okinawans, that not a single other kata had a Japanese name, and that he was an expert in the Chinese language and literature, it seems highly improbable to me that he will have been thinking along Japanese lines when naming his creations, and infinitely more likely he was thinking along Chinese lines. Uh, now here's the interesting bit. While the characters uh, used for writing Pinan, or Tian, which is obviously the Japanese pronunciation of those characters, um, those characters are read as peace and tranquility in Japanese, they mean something different when read in Chinese. A Chinese reader will not translate the characters as peace and tranquillity, but will instead read them as safe from harm. I believe safe from harm to be the reading that Intosu intended to be uh, attached to his creations. Now, of course, I can't be 100% sure what meaning Itosu had in mind when naming his kata series, I mean, and he's not around to ask. However, to my mind, the Chinese reading of safe from harm makes much more sense when you consider that the uh, art was considered Chinese at the time, and all the other kata had Chinese names. Add that uh, to the fact that Funakoshi tells us the name was chosen to reflect the fact that these five kata will enable us to defend ourselves competently in most situations, and it's reasonable to assume that Itosu communicated the reason behind his choice of name to Funakoshi during his instruction, and I feel the case for safe from harm is infinitely stronger than the universally accepted, although undeniably incorrect, translation of peaceful mind. I mean, the characters are not read as peaceful mind in Japanese or Chinese. Now, I would expect that Funakoshi himself will have been familiar with the Chinese reading of the characters, having, been um, having received instruction in the details of the Chinese classics by both his grandfather and uh, Anko Azato, Azato being a friend of Itosu and Funakoshi's other main uh, karate teacher. Um, and Funakoshi is a member of the Okinawan upper class. Um, it would have been essential for him to receive instruction in the Chinese classics. And later on in life, of course, Funakoshi was employed as a teacher of Chinese classics. Now, I therefore feel confident that Funakoshi will have had an, uh, an understanding of the Chinese reading of the characters, as, as well as the, the Japanese reading, of course. Now, when Funakoshi took karate to mainland Japan, he came up with alternative names for most of the other kata. So we have uh, Shanku becoming Kanku, 
Naihanshi became Teki, uh, Sishan became Hangetsu. I mean, this was done in order to help uh, promote the art in uh, in mainland Japan. However, there's no real ne- uh, need for him to come up with a new Japanese name for the Pinan Kata, as they already have the existing reading of Hian. Same characters, uh, subtly different pronunciation, but a different meaning. Now, it's also worth remembering that both languages, Chinese and Japanese, will use the same characters to write the name, and the meaning will be interpreted depending upon the language of the reader. It's only when translated into English that all ambiguity is, uh, is removed. Now, Funakoshi will have probably understood both readings, and although he promoted the Japanese pronunci- uh, pronunciation, his explanation uh, of the name in Karate Dokyo Han, to me, would seem to be in reference to the original Chinese reading. Uh, personally, I'm convinced that Pinan should be read as safe from harm, and that the almost universally accepted Japanese reading of, of peaceful mind is incorrect. Uh, now, to be clear, Hian definitely means peace and tranquility in Japanese. Uh, however, it is my belief that Itosu intended for the Chinese reading of Pinan to be the one attached to his creations. The Pinan series are kata that keep us safe from harm, and hence give the practitioner of these forms, to, again to quote Fonokoshi, the confidence that we are able to defend ourselves completely in most situations. Uh, Funakoshi said that the name... Uh, should reflect their ability to keep it safe, and the Chinese reading does that, whereas the Japanese reading does not. Uh, now, I'm aware that this view is potentially controversial, and to my knowledge, I'm the only person who suggested this alternative theory uh, to the widely accepted view that Pinan means peaceful mind. However, by suggesting it, I hope that others will look at the evidence for themselves and, and come to their own conclusions. Um, I think the Chinese reading and Funakoshi's explanation of the name also have a bearing on the notion that the Pinan kata are uh, beginners or children's kata. Um, and that's something I hope to discuss uh, in a lot more depth in my, my forthcoming book on the uh, the Pinan series. Uh, I agree with Funakoshi and I do believe that in a holistic self-defense system that are uh, logically and intelligently structured and um, we'll maybe talk about that in future podcasts too. So I hope you've enjoyed this discussion of the meaning of Pinan. Okay, so that's uh, the discussion of Pinan. And the second part of this podcast, we're going to look at some of the questions that have been received um, as part of the Ask the Experts column. Uh, that I was asked to contribute to in the UK magazine uh, Martial Arts um, uh, Illustrated. Um, so we're going to answer a couple of questions this month, and without further ado, let's get going. Okay, so first question we got was, um, um, Hi Ian, how old does one need to be in order to invent their own kata? Um, so, um, well, thanks for the question. Now, there's no set age that you need to be um, before you can create your uh, create a kata. Uh, the traditional kata were essentially created to record the methods of a particular system or a martial artist. Um, as examples, Kushanku, Wanshu and Chinto were all Chinese martial artists who at some point visited and taught in Okinawa. Uh, their students created the kata that bear their name in order to record what had been taught both for themselves and subsequent generations. So if anybody of any age has something to record, there's no reason why they can't create a kata to do so. Uh, now, if the kata has something of value, it may get passed on and spread just like the traditional kata, or, or if not, it can still be a useful exercise. 
Uh, a number of years ago, um, I got the group of kids that I taught at the time to create a, a cat as a bit of fun in the run-up to Christmas. Um, I got them to suggest a problem. So, for example, uh, you know, the opponent tries to knee me. Um, we then split them into groups and they had to come up with a solution to that problem. Uh, we then got back together and looked at all the various solutions and the kid decided uh, which idea or which combination of ideas they were going to use for their kata. Now, some of these solutions were a little bit more power rangers than practical, but, you know, it's their kata. Uh, they then decided how on, uh, to enact their collective solution in the kata um, and then repeat the process with a new problem and then connect it to the initial sequence and so on. Um, in two training sessions, we had a full kata, which was around 30 moves maneuvers long, um, that the kids loved creating and practicing. Uh, we also had some really in-depth discussions about the angles, uh, the floor pattern of kata, uh, bunkai, the history of kata, the names of kata, and I was really impressed by the creativity and the depth of the thought. And it was a really successful exercise in terms of getting the children to better understand the nature um, and the creation of the kata that they already practice. Um, but perhaps the best thing, for me at least, was how delighted they, are, they were when it dawned on them that they had created something unique. You know, and the kids, oh, we're the first person ever to do this kata. You know, it was really um, exciting to see how much they enjoyed the process. Now, I oversaw the process, but the techniques, the kata, the floor pattern, uh, the name, um, were all creations of the kids. Um, and I thought it was a very successful exercise in terms of getting the kids to better understand kata and, well, all involved had a lot of fun with it. It was also great to see the kids work together to come up with something that they were really proud of. Now, the kata itself is of no long-term value, but the process of creating the kata certainly was. Uh, so, to my mind, there's no reason at all why anyone of any age should not have a little fun with the process and... Um, there's a lot to be gained from it, from trying to create your own kata. Again, even if it isn't of, uh, of any long-term uh, term value. Okay, so um, the next question we have um, is, uh, if you could meet any of the old masters of karate, who would it be, and what one question would you ask them, and, and why? <laughs> now, that's a great question, and one that took some serious pondering. But I think the master I'd most like to, to meet would be, uh, be Anko Itosu. Um, and when Itosu, of course, first started karate training, karate was practiced solely as a no-nonsense combat art. Um, it's recorded that he taught the art as such. However, later in life, um, Itosu um, also started, uh, started teaching karate to school children as a, a form of uh, physical recreation. Um, now, at that time, the martial arts were starting to be viewed as old-fashioned, violent, and not a fitting pursuit for youths. And I think Itosu saw the writing on the wall for karate, and having devoted his life to it, he decided to modernise the art and to emphasise the physical conditioning and the development of character um, sides of it so that the authorities and the youth of Okinawa would support it. Um, and he did a great job too, because I mean, he started off a chain of events that saw karate spread not only to mainland Japan, but eventually all over the world. Now, uh, if you think Itosu was originally only looking to get um, a child's version of his art onto Okinawan schools, I think he'd be flabbergasted by how far karate had spread and how popular it's become. Now, Itosu taught and practiced a, a, a fighting art, okay, the original fighting art, but he was also responsible for the first non-combative version of the art. Uh, now, in his writings, Itosu emphasised the importance of understanding the difference between the two. <laughs> now, it's even said that in his mid-70s, Itosu got into fight to show that ch the children's art was not to be confused with the real deal after karate was mocked by some, some people from mainland Japan. Um, I mean, regardless, the ramifications of his children's version of the art are obviously still being felt today. 
And I find it interesting that we now see a big swing back the other way with uh, there being a huge interest in understanding kata and the pragmatic karate that Itosu originally practiced. So I'd like to explain to Itosu how karate had spread and developed over the last hundred or so years, and then I'd like to ask him, uh, knowing how your art spread and how it developed, would you do anything different? Um, now I think it would be fascinating to see how he felt about all the consequences of what he started off, and it would be great to find out what he hadn't foreseen and what he was pleased about and what concerned him about karate's subsequent development. So, I mean, that's a great question, that one, and I just hope my uh, my question to Itosu is just half as interesting as as, as that question was uh, was to me. So we've only got room for two questions this month, but we'll include more in uh, in, in future podcasts. Um, and if you'd like your question included as as part of the, uh, the the column, and obviously then subsequently as part of these podcasts, then feel free to email me your questions to ian, I-A-I-N, at ianabernethy.com. Or if you prefer, you could submit your questions directly to the magazine uh, via uh, Martial Arts Limited, so Martial Arts Ltd., um, at btconnect.com. So that's Martial Arts Ltd, all one word, at btconnect.com and then obviously the editor will pick which questions he wants to do, forward them on to me Uh, I'll answer them in the column and then we'll also put them in this podcast as well So, Um, so that concludes this month's podcast I hope you've enjoyed the discussions that we've had on the meaning of uh, Pinan or Hian and a couple of questions uh, answered there as well so uh, thanks once again for listening in I really appreciate the support Uh, if there's any kind of feedback you want to give then by all means um, feel free to uh, to email me and um, okay that's it for this month and I'll, I'll see you again soon thanks very much bye